Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I review the Dragon's Milk Dragon Share Bourbon Barrel Seltzers, explore the history of Apsu, and rain total body fuel in Rain of Fire, a play on our classic deity feature segment, Griffin's God Complex, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're live! Yeah, we got dragons on the brain. Yeah, it's a dragon-heavy episode. Yeah, I think that's a, that's also the name of a product on Bad Dragon. Well, we'll get to that. Boy, how you doing, Griff? I'm doing pretty well. Me too, me too. How's your weekend been so far? Uh, you know, it's been malevolent so far. Yeah, we recorded a couple bangers last night. Yeah, Those were good apps. Had some fun playing malevolence. Mm-hmm. It's the weekend before Valentine's Day, you know what they say in the biz. What do they say in the biz? Tough titties. Tough titties. <laughs> and uh, that's an inside joke that you all will be a part of in about a week and a half. Yeah, you get your pineapple in. Yep. For Valentine's Day. Yep. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, we actually do have quite a bit of stuff to get to today. So I think we should just kick things off. I know usually we got our seltzer reviews coming up. So we're, we're usually not drinking anything coming into this. We usually get that done before we go live. But we're both drinking the same thing right now. And I think I'd be remiss if we didn't shout it out. Griff, what are we drinking? It's a Timekeeper from Tired Hands. It is a, well, it's Timekeeper Orange Blossom, technically. It's a double India pale ale with orange blossom honey. Very cool can art. I just showed that to the folks at home. Thank you all for joining us, by the way. We got a great program today. But before we do, Griff, what you been up to, man? So I've kind of had my uh, nose to the grindstone this past week. Mm-hmm. We're going to this Viking festival, I think, as, as we perhaps mentioned on the show already. Yep. And it's a little over two weeks away. Mm-hmm. And I got all of my leather stuff to make a set of armor on this past Sunday. Yep. So I probably put, I want to say, like 15 hours into... <laughs> the suit of armor already hell yeah uh, so that's what i'm doing in like most of my free time and i've been listening to medieval lo-fi while i do that oh fun and it it makes me feel like some kind of leather smith in yeah. olden days yeah i just need an apron which i don't have mm. but that's really it man that's that's all i've been doing all right well that's fine because i got a whole bunch of shit to talk about so I'm pretty much just going to focus on a couple different movies that I've seen over the last couple weeks because they're really good. Quick plug to The Last of Us. Obviously not going to spoil anything because it's like the hottest show on television right now and also the best show on television right now. I'm not going to accept counter arguments. No, it's phenomenal. I almost cry. I cheer. I laugh. It breaks my heart every week and no other show does that. So like, way to go, Last of Us. Phenomenal. But I digress. I had a day off work, just kind of burning up PTO a couple weeks ago, and I went to go see a movie at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Monday. Infinity Pool, so an art house horror film. Okay. Uh, strange crowd, if you would believe it, 2.30 on, on, a, on a Monday. 
walked out of the theater and I was walking next to uh, some lady who just like housed a quesadilla during this gore fast in the back row with me. And uh, Did you get her number? No, 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 I would, no, not not the, not in this crowd, Griffin. Okay, um, fair enough. I mean, you were there. Yeah, we were. Well, yeah, but we we walked up basically together. She's like, strange one, huh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was. So. This is a Brennan Cronenberg movie, and I've talked about his previous two films on here, which I watched within the last year, Antiviral and Possessor. Very, very strange sci-fi horror. Infinity Pool is similar in that it is strange sci-fi body horror, but it's this really interesting concept. It stars Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth, two of my favorite actors right now. Alexander Skarsgård is a writer who had a fairly successful first book, but is having a little bit of writer's block for his second book and decides to take a vacation with his rich wife. They go to a fictional European country and spend some time at a resort there. And when they do, they meet Mia Goth and her husband, who are fans of his work, his first book. The four of them get together and they start partying off the resort and they all get pretty drunk and Alexander Skarsgård is driving them all back to the resort and hits a pedestrian. Drunk driver kills him and is, is arrested by the local police and is basically given an offer by the local police. The offer essentially is this country has developed a technology where they can clone you and because like manslaughter carries the penalty of death in their country, instead of you being killed to pay for your crimes, you can watch your clone be killed if you pay for it. It's super expensive. So he does that and then enters this cycle with Mia Goth of them starting to commit worse and worse crimes because they're rich and there's no penalty penalty for it. So they're like watching doppelgangers of themselves just get like murdered by the police over and over again and the stuff that they do is weirder and weirder and it's a wild one uh it was originally an nc-17 movie that was cut down to r for theaters and it's a it's a hard hard r so keep that in mind if you're checking it out but it is a weird weird art house horror flick but it was really good highly recommend if you like the types of movies that I do. I will be very brief with these other movies because I know I'm rambling, but hey, it's uh, Brendan Cronenberg movies. I need to spend five minutes on the podcast explaining all of them because they're complex. I watched these two movies that came out last year back to back from director... Oh, shit. Ty something. I, I can't remember his last name, but the first one is called X, just the letter X. It takes place in the 70s and it is a bunch of people getting together on... Like they rent the coach house in this rural property to shoot a porno. And I won't say how it turns into horror, but it does in a really interesting and awesome way. Yeah, there's a couple ways that could happen. This is not an NC 17 (laughs) film. It doesn't doesn't get like that. It's just them getting in a remote location and then horror happens. Because of the implication. Sure, but it is it's a very, very good movie. But what I really want to talk about is Pearl, because the second movie in this like couplet of movies, Pearl is a prequel, which came out afterwards and takes place in 1918 and stars or like it's focused on one of the people that lived on that property before the events of X. And it also stars Mia Goth from Infinity Pool maybe the best performance in a motion picture at some point during the film she delivers 
maybe a 10 or 15 minute long single take just shot on her face monologue that is shattering. It's incredible. I can't recommend Pearl enough. I would suggest people watch X first and then watch Pearl, even though, you know, chronologically there, it's so worth it. What a phenomenal, phenomenal horror movie, phenomenal performance. I heard a lot of buzz that Mia Goth should have gotten Oscar for that. And I agree, but hey, world sucks. Let's move on. That's enough from me talking about random art house horror movies. We're doing a seltzer review and I'm worried about this one. I specifically wanted you to try these because of your preferences in liquor. Yeah, so I don't like whiskey. I don't like bourbon. I generally don't like brown liquor. This is from a company called Dragon's Milk. This is the Dragon Share Bourbon Barrel Seltzers. I got a little bit of copy here. I feel like I've been talking a lot, but you know, tis the season. Dragon's Milk was built around crafting a beer that drew its flavor from bourbon barrels. We asked ourselves if we could do the same thing with hard seltzer. Maybe, maybe don't. By aging pure water inside of freshly dumped bourbon barrels, we are able to extract bourbon once locked away within the walls of the charred American oak, and with it, flavors of vanilla and spice without the bourbon bite. Dragon Share is a refreshing and sessionable take on bourbon, providing the traditional bourbon aficionado, not me, a new way to experience their favorite spirit, not my favorite, and the hard seltzer drinker, me, a delicious and flavorful new take on the category. Griff, you have tried these before. Yeah, so uh, my friend Karen bought them the last time we hung out, and I think she's actually watching this live, (laughs) which is is hilarious because I think she just said ew to that description. Fair. (laughs) You bought them. Uh, uh, she she said <laughs> ew earlier, but she did say it is a total win. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I, I've tried these. I am a bourbon drinker. Mm-hmm. I like bourbon. And having tried them, I had to have you try them. Okay, so don't say any so more I, thoughts. You know, I'll give my thoughts on each flavor well, as we try them. Yeah, but. That could mean that I have to try them because that could turn me around on bourbon. Or I have to try them because they're that bad. These are 4.6 ABV, so not as high as some of the ones that we've had, but respectable. We got zero sugar and 90 calories. Got four flavors, as is tradition. Original, cherry, blackberry, and orange. I don't want to do this. (laughs) Let's start with original, Steve. You want to rip the Band-Aid off? We should, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say how we were going to rate the flavors. We're going to be rating these on the Bad Dragon scale. So one to five rating, of course. One is the Cuttlefish of Cthulhu. Two is Duke's Paw. Three is Winston's Tongue. Four is Diego. Five is Duke the Bad Dragon. And if you know what any of those things mean, well, you're naughty. I am yes. not providing photos for this week's live Zone of Truth for the live studio audience. We uh, tried. For obvious nice. reasons. Yep, we tried. <laughs> yeah, it was an uphill battle. Haley shot it down, mm-hmm. but... All right, the original flavor. Do you want to read the copy on that? Sure. Uh, This is just, as they say, the purest expression of Dragon's share. Yeah. Now, I haven't had these sober, so. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Oh. Oh, God. Let me get that back in a koozie. Okay. I'm going to throw out a description here. You tell me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. 
bourbon LaCroix. Yep. Yep. Bourbon LaCroix. That's exactly what it is. There's no burn like you'd usually have with a bourbon or a whiskey, but you get like that barely bourbon flavor, and then it's just cold bubbles. And it's not like the vanilla and honey that they're talking about getting from the bourbon. It's like, this tastes like corn liquor. Yeah. To be fair, I think I did expect a little worse. Like a little heavier on the bourbon flavor? Yes. Yes. (sighs) Boy. Why the fuck am I beating around the barrel? This is a cuttlefish of Cthulhu, one out of five. I don't like this. I don't want to have any more of it. But I know how that usually turns out. Where do you put this? Yeah, I mean, this is a Duke's Paw for me. It's, mm. it's perfectly drinkable, in my opinion. But yep. yeah, I'd just rather drink bourbon. Okay. It's just water dye. I think it would be good if they like put some lime in the original, maybe. Sure. Or something, like a hint of something else. I understand why the original flavor exists. I was shocked they had an original flavor. Right. When I looked through this pack, I was like, you can't, like, seltzer doesn't exist in an original form that has flavor. So what are we doing here? I think, like I said, I understand why it exists, but I don't think it should exist. Um, they want to give you a baseline before they start giving you other flavors. Yeah, they're giving you a, this is what the dragon share is. Mm -hmm. This is the bourbon content of these. Yeah, and it's unpleasant. Don't like it. Here comes another one. <laughs> cherry. Copy on this is bourbon and cherry meat for epic refreshment. Also, let's get this open can away from my laptop. I'm not having fucking Dragon Share destroy this laptop. <laughs> I'd be so mad. <laughs> I think it'd be remiss to say that these cans have sayings on them. Fire meets water, I think is on all of them, and it says the same thing, I think, in Latin, which is fucking hubris on their end. Yeah, that's almost a level of pretentious as just the entire premise of the Sesh Seltzers. Okay. Yeah, so right off the rip, this is a very medicinal cherry flavor. Mm Kind of reminiscent of like a cough drop. Yep. And like the bourbon piece is still there, and I think that's what's giving it more of that medicinal flavor. But it's pretty cherry forward. This Which is, is good. Yeah, this good. is the first one of these that I had tried uh-huh. on the night when I was drunk and drinking these. Yep. And, you know, my memory serves me about as well. So I'm, I'm going uh, a Winston's tongue. I think this one is better than the original medicinal, but fine. Yeah, 10 out of 10 times I'm taking this one over the original. It's terrible. I'm giving it a two out of five Duke's Paw, but I would definitely take this over the original. I think if you take away the bourbon flavor, you have a fairly shitty seltzer, but a palatable seltzer. The medicinal cherry is not good, but it's a thing. I, I couldn't know. tell you if it's medicinal without the bourbon flavor. That's yeah. the issue, I think. Yeah. All right. We have a third one. Yeah. Blackberry. This is blackberry. Bourbon and blackberry combined for a taste that can only be described as divine. I'll be the judge of that. I'm just watching your face on the uh, <laughs> on the camera. I don't want to look every, at every you. Time, every, time, every time you drink one of these and it's unpleasant looking. <laughs> Very nonplussed about these. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? This is... So who the, asked for this? This one sucks. Who asked for this? This one's really bad. I remember this one being really bad. This was the impetus for me wanting you to try these ones. Ah. Uh, this one's a cuttlefish of Cthulhu for me. I actually like it worse than the original flavor. Ooh. I think the addition of blackberry made this one worse. 
Original has such a low floor. I don't think I'm clearing that low floor. I think I would take this over the original, but like by the slimmest hair. See, like I like bourbon, so I can right, deal right. with the original, but this one mixes so poorly with that bourbon flavor that it's just, it's all negative and no positive. The weird thing about these is I don't feel like there's a good blend. It's always a one, two, a blackberry flavor, then a bourbon, or a bourbon, then a blackberry, bourbon, then cherry. Like. They don't blend well at all. Like this is just, I don't know. It's like, uh, what's the, in, in science class and chemistry or whatever, you have things that just don't blend and you have like oil and water sitting in a thing. I don't know. I feel like it's like you get one flavor, then the next, like there's no yeah. blend. Yeah. It doesn't, cherry blends the best so far. Yeah. And let's see if uh, the fourth one, orange can change things up. Bourbon, citrus, and seltzer for all-day refreshment. That's a copy from the website. It smells okay. I think this Come should on. really be a tell for the listeners about, like, what I'll just put myself through if there's not much in the house, because I've drank <laughs> the other eight of these. That sucks, man. Both like, the flavor and the fact that yeah. <laughs> that you sadly drank eight of these by yourself. I don't think I drank it by myself. Well, who drank else drank it. one? No, I mean I drank them. So well, I, I, I meant individually. I wasn't drinking yeah. alone. No, I knew you weren't drinking alone. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you drank some of them, didn't you? Drink them. I drank a couple during one of the red shifts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This oh. one. This one's uh, surprisingly <sighs> also bad. Yeah. Watered down Sunny D with again that like shit quality bourbon. Mm -hmm. backing it. It tastes like if you did one part Sunny D, four parts water, one part like old granddad bourbon. Mm -hmm. Like a not very great bourbon. It's all of those flavors, but if like you took the flavor of that stir. and right, and then like cycled it down to 60% of the potency of all of those flavors. It's weird. Like these are bad. Like, I don't know. They don't hang they're around. Bad, they're, they're not yeah, the flavor's not strong. Right. These, these all as bad as, they, as, as, as bad as they are, they're like kind of weak. It's, I don't know. It's strong at the front. Yeah. Like the flavor hits you, but it's gone the second it's swallowed. Mm -hmm. Now, have you guys had another bourbon-esque seltzer before? I don't think we've so. Had, we've had whiskey, whiskey in gotcha. sash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I the, think that was Those it. were far worse than these. Yeah. Well, you, let, the let the record show. I'll take these show. over the sesh ones. Yeah, let the record okay, show. I, I would drink these 10 times out of 10 over mm -hmm. even the best sesh flavor. Yeah. Okay, I was really hoping to get rid of like the last couple seshes in the fridge and just no. say, well, you're on it. Yeah, we, we no, do like, have a couple left. The fact that those seshes have survived this long is also a testament to how shitty those are. Mm -hmm. If I'll just drink eight of these casually. Right. I mean, you've re you've been rating these ones and twos, and you took down eight of these before Sesh coming back to us. Sesh only got a one out of five on the pack because that's the lowest rating that we give. Yeah, we were breaking the scale for Sesh. <laughs> Boy, yeah. What so a poor showing. Do we rate this one? I'm gonna give it a Duke's Paw. Um, orange. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from on that because this is somewhat palatable, but I hate it, so I'm giving it a Cuttlefish of Cthulhu one out of five. That's good. I think the only one that I gave a Duke's Paw to was Cherry. Cherry. But you even can still, have the Cherry like, one. Yeah, please. We'll have to break these up, so I'll take the Cherry. Sure. Um, I mean, I'll take original. Thank you. And then if you want to choose between the other two because you jumped on the original grenade. Oh, fuck. You took the orange. <laughs> I was really hoping. <laughs> I'm not doing I, that. The Blackberry was the only one I voted. I think I knew where that was going, but I was still, you know, hoping against still hope disappointed. there. Yeah. 
here's the deal. We've started to ask like a final verdict on the pack. So I want to ask you, Griff, would this seltzer pack unite the kingdom in House of the Dragon? Um, this seltzer pack caused Robert's rebellion <laughs> in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's made the smiling knight frown. This, uh, <laughs> you know, th- this was why JB became a Kingslayer. Mm-hmm. All, all of those components. So, um, yeah, Robert Baratheon, like, I think. Um, the peasants saw the White Walkers marching from the north and they're like, thank God. Thank God, yeah. I think Rhaegar Targaryen's breastplate was made out of these cans when mm-hmm. Robert Baratheon crushed his Smashed, chest in yeah. with the Warhammer. Corey did point out you can unite a kingdom against something potentially. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess in that case these are the White Walkers. Boy, I had a sip of that cherry again, and it was worse than the first time. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that's the best flavor. Yeah, drunk. I thought, drunk, I thought cherry was good. I remember telling Karen, "Oh, this is pretty good." On the cherry <laughs> one. You're wrong. <laughs> I did call you a liar. <laughs> well, I, I, that's neither here nor there, because I think at that point I had housed two of the seven deadly sins. Well, yeah, those are like 15%. <laughs> yeah. So. You basically drank two bottles of wine, and then, yeah, <laughs> and then the cherry was good. Yeah. Which, like, we both took down a tall boy of legitimately good beer from Tired Hands before yeah. this, so not to say that, like, I have an alcohol buzz, but I got some padding there, and... Not enough. Didn't didn't help. Well, do you want to do a little palate cleanse? Sure. And I think this is when we're going to move into our next segment. This is a play on Griffin's God Complex, which we talk about a Pathfinder deity. But this is Reign of Fire edition because we're talking about dragons today. We're going to be reviewing some or not really reviewing, just kind of taste testing some rain body fuel. I was going to say hard seltzers. They're not. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're just power energy drinks. drinks yeah. Energy drinks. Because, uh, you know, we've done bang. Yeah. And, uh, and bang is becoming more and more scarce. Yeah. Less bang, more bust these days. Yeah. So we got to hop off the bang wagon a little bit. Yeah. So hop off the bang bus mm-hmm. and then get a ticket to the rain train. Yes. So when you initially pitched this segment, this rain of fire thing where we pair this up with Apsu, I almost actually came back at you and was about to suggest doing rain on this parade where we would drink rain energy drinks. And then prior to this, we would have both listened to My Chemical Romance's The Black Parade and then review it. But then I was like, then there would be actually no TTRPG content in this episode. So (laughs) maybe we'll just go with the original pitch. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So so the way I want to do these, Steve, is that... um, I've had them, you uh-huh. haven't, much like this. So I'm actually curious because I think one of the things that we've liked about Bang when we've mm-hmm. done like the Banger Battles is how well their flavors deliver on like the promise of the premise. Sure. And so I'm kind of curious if I give you these flavors blind, you know, we can rate them or whatever, but I want to see if you can kind of figure out what the flavor is supposed to be before I tell you what it is. Sure. And I think we can use the same bad dragon scale. Let's do these interspersed with our stuff. So let's try one. Sure. Then I'll talk about Apsu in Pathfinder. Uh, we'll try a second one and then you'll talk. I'm sorry. I'll talk about him in real life. Mm-hmm. You'll Then after the second one, you'll do um, Apsu in Pathfinder and then we'll do the third one. Sound good to you? Sounds good. All right. I'm not looking. I'm, I'm not looking at the can. 
I'm curious if these are going to have any color to give away. I don't know that they will. This one looks pretty clear so far. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Quite clear. Quite clear. Now, these are some significant pores, my dude. I think these are like 300 milligrams of caffeine a can. Tall boy can, of course. We got three but... cans here, so we got, you know, got to get ready for the Oracle. Jesus. <laughs> Cheers. Now, this one I kind of love, but I think it's going to be very difficult for you to guess. And then once I tell you what this flavor is, you're going to be like, oh, shit. Okay. I agree with you. This is fucking fabulous. This is delicious. I love this. That's a Duke the Bad Dragon on the Bad Dragon scale. Oh, absolutely. What does it taste like? I think there's a little hint of tropical in here. I think I can taste a little like pineapple. Subtle pineapple, not sharp pineapple. Hmm. Fruit to be sure. So you're correct, by the way, like in, in the notes that you're tasting. Okay. Because this is white gummy bear. The flavor of a white gummy bear. Which is yeah, it very like pineapple forward, a little tropical. I don't know why they did that. That's so specific. I can't imagine that flavor moves cans, but but like that's if you think so of good. that flavor, it's yeah. like that's it. That's a white gummy bear. That's lovely. I really like this, and it works really well yeah. for for an energy drink. I, I'm I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, I'm usually drinking a, a bang while I'm working out, and I could easily drink this, no problem. All right. So as we uh, as we're getting started, man, do I have to drink this whole thing by the next? You poured a lot. I'm gonna be fucking buzzed. I don't make the rules. And there's still some left in the can because I took the can. I have it. It's so good. Yeah, Haley, you, you tried it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I don't. I, uh, the people in the camera may have seen. I did grab Griffin's arm because I read the flavor and I mm -hmm. immediately was like, I have to have that. What'd you think? It's exactly white gummy bear. Yeah. Exactly. It rocks. All right, so we're talking about Apsu today, prolific, draconic Pathfinder deity. And when we were going back and forth trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about for today, Griff mentioned Apsu, and I was like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do for that. And then I Googled Apsu, and lo and behold, Apsu is an actual deity from human history, which I was pretty surprised by. I kind of assumed he was made up for Pathfinder lore. Not the case. So... Let's talk a little bit about what Apsu can refer to, and then we'll actually get into the deity stuff. So Apsu is a name that can be used to refer to fresh water from underground aquifers, which was given a religious fertilizing quality in Sumerian and Akkadian mythology. So we're talking Mesopotamia, ancient Mesopotamia. Lakes, springs, rivers, wells, and other sources of fresh water were thought to draw the water from the Apsu. In the mythology of Sumeria and Acadia, it is referred to as the primeval sea below the void space of the underworld, called Kerr, or the earth, Ma, above. In Babylon and Assyria, tanks of holy water were called Apsu. And so you might be asking, okay, what does this have to do with a deity or even a dragon, right? So in these ancient Mesopotamian cultures, Apsu was a god who had a draconic form and is featured heavily in the Babylonian creation epic titled Enuma Elise, where he was the ruler of all fresh water, which if you're thinking back to the region of the world that this is 
taking place in ancient Mesopotamia, you have like the Tigris and Euphrates and stuff, but a lot of the land around that is fairly arid. So they put a lot of religious significance into fresh water because life comes from fresh water, right? The deity Apsu was the lover and mate to Tiamat, the dragon goddess of salt water. So let's talk about the Enuma Elis a little bit. In English, that translates to when on high. This is a really, really interesting text, and I read quite a bit about this to prepare for this segment here. This text was authored around 1000 BCE, and it's really short. It's only about 1000 lines of text and those are on seven clay tablets. The interesting thing about this specific text is that it was found in a ruined temple in 1849 in Mosul, Iraq. So this was written thousands of years ago, stored away in this temple and then lost to history, Indiana Jones style, and was found by some archeologist. This is literally like uncovering ancient history. It's very cool. So. In the story of Enuma Elise, this is all about creation and creation of the world and humanity. So it talks about a time when there was no sky, just waste and confusion of primordial oceans. The two beings, Apsu and Tiamat, existed at this time, but not much else did. They mated, beginning creation and birthing children, other deities, gods, who would become the pantheon of gods for these ancient Mesopotamian cultures. Eventually, Apsu, whether out of annoyance or fear of his children plotting to kill him, decides to kill his kids. But Tiamat does not want to do that and doesn't ally herself with her husband. She does not assist him. Apsu looked for other people to help him out and allied with a deity called Mamu, M-U-M-M-U, a deity of the waves. The two of them together waged war with the spawn of Apsu and Tiamat, and eventually Apsu was struck down by his children, uh, primarily a deity of water called Enki, E-N-K-I. This deity was a deity of mischief, creation, intelligence in accordance with water. Enki ended up building a house on the body of Apsu, and he's important because he eventually gives birth to Marduk, the eventual leader of the Babylonian pantheon. So Apsu, is an extremely important deity, but there's not a whole lot of detail given to him besides that. I got a couple other fun facts that I'm gonna talk about what happens after that little piece of him in the story. He was originally actually female and was given the name Zagarin, which is Akkadian for the mother who has begotten heaven and earth. In various different stories and translations, you may see Absu referred to as Apazon, Rishtu, Apse, Abzu, or Aphazon. He's dragon-like in appearance, but is really only described in this tale and a couple other ones. Very little detail given to what he actually looks like. So draconic in some way, but that's pretty much all we know. So what happens after all of that stuff that I talked about? Well, that creation tale, Enuma Elise states that Tiamat gave birth to a whole bunch of different monsters. So other dragons, serpents, scorpion men, merfolk to fight in Apsu's name against the children that killed him. She basically goes on like a revenge story fighting against her spawn. Bad Exactly. 
Eventually, she was defeated by Marduk himself. At that point, she had taken up a new lover, her son, Kingu. They were both defeated together, and she was sliced in half. Her ribs were made into the vault of heaven and earth. Her weeping eyes became the sources of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, and her tail became the Milky Way. So Tiamat, you know, her and Apsu were the two that created all of creation, right? But she's way more relevant than he is. And then finally, you might ask, okay, so this is a creation story. Where's humanity come in? Well, when her lover son, Kingu, was killed, the blood that he shed was mixed with mud and then fashioned by that same god who killed Apsu Enki. At this point, his name changes to Ea. It's just E-A. I'm not exactly sure how that's pronounced, but I think that's close enough. And that mud and blood together was made into the first human beings of the world. So... Apsu, although not well described, is extremely important to all of these ancient civilizations in the creation of the world and their peoples. But that's really it. Tiamat's a little bit more culturally relevant today. You see her pop up in a couple different stories and pantheons and and fun things. And D&D. Yeah. But you don't hear a whole lot of Apsu. Really, the only place that I could find much reference to him was Pathfinder. And at this point, I would kick it over to Griff, but I think we got to rein it in a little bit after I chug what I have of this white gummy bear. I'm going to be bouncing off the walls in like 15 minutes. Maybe don't pour him a full glass. Yeah, give me a little halfy. And I'm also not looking at the can. Let me cleanse my palate with this cherry bourbon. Delicious bourbon to cleanse. (sighs) Okay. Let's give this one a shot. Cheers. Well, goddamn. That right there's motherfucking Sherbert. That's delicious. Close. Ugh. You're almost there. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. It is Sherbert. That is undeniable. It's Orange Dreamsicle. Oh, hell yeah. That's so good. If I gave the last one a five, this is a 5.5. <laughs> oh, really? You like this one more? I love this. This is so good. I, I, I love Orange Dreams. Oh, this one of my this one's flavors. my least favorite of the three. Really? Yeah. Believe it or not, I saved the best for last, in my opinion. I love this one. This is delicious. It's so good. I also like this better than the White Gummy Bear. Huh. I mean, White Gummy Bear, I gave it a five out of five. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. But wow, this is good. Yeah, this one's, this one's certainly very good. It's just my least favorite of the three, I think. To be fair, I was like the kid growing up, but we had the Schwann's man show up and delivered food for my gra- at my grandma's house all the time. And mm-hmm. one of the things that always was there was the orange dreamsicle popsicles from that. Sure. And it was so fantastic. And this was like, took me back. It tastes exactly like the Schwann's orange dreamsicle. <laughs> this is great. Promise of the premise is fantastic. And again, yeah. you know. Even though it's my least favorite, it gets a five, right? It's it's right. great. And I think that says something about rain body fuel in general. Like, this is fucking great. I mean, Bang's kind of going belly up right now. I can't, truthfully, I can't wait to drink these in the gym. This, this is going to be actually, great. Yeah. This is uh, someone else's favorite. It's uh, Angel and Black's uh, favorite as well. Oh, wow. So we're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that has impressed me so far with rain, and again, I've only really had these three flavors, but the really good flavors are also the ones that are like really widely available. 
unlike Bang, where it's oh, like, sure. like I'm so tired of seeing like Star Blast, Bang, and like the Sourheads, the, Cotton Candy, Cotton Candy, like yeah, those flavors are promise to the premise good, but they're like shit tier flavors, and they're like everywhere. Yeah, when you're like on minute sixty of your like really heavy workout and slugging like warm cotton candy, it's like ugh. That's a tough time. Yeah, like blue res is pretty mediocre, and mm-hmm. it's like the most popular flavor in stores. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to talk about Absu from Pathfinder. Do it. Absu is the patron deity of all good and metallic dragons, and one of the oldest gods of the great beyond, along with Tiamat. He is believed to be one of the two original creator beings of the multiverse. So same as with the Babylonian creation myth. He uh, appears as this immense silver dragon, like times over bigger than any dragon, any ancient worm on Galarian. His titles are Waybringer, the Exiled Worm, and Maker of All. And his realm is the Immortal Ambulatory, which is actually a traveling demiplane. We'll Mm. talk a little bit about that later. It's awful good and is concerned with good dragons, glory, leadership, and peace. Mostly worshipped by dragons and other draconic creatures. His domains are artifice, good, law, scaly kind, and travel. Uh, And his favorite weapon is a bite or a quarterstaff. Symbol is a silver dragon above a mirror or pool. Has no sacred animal and sacred colors are metallic colors. This is actually the deity that my kobold oracle or um, battle oracle paladin dragon disciple Frakal worshipped was uh, Apsu because he was a gold dragon kobold. And what did you play that in? For the people at home who definitely were not part of that home game. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So that was when we ran through uh, Scarwall. So history of Apsu. Same as with the creation myth, in the dawn of time there flowed two waters, fresh and salt, which became Absu and Tiamat, parents of the first gods. Their eldest son was Dahak, who came to hell to rampage and then killed all of his siblings. So instead of Absu killing the siblings, Dahak killed all of the siblings. Their remains fell to the material plane and became the first metallic dragons. This enraged Apsu, who came to the material plane to fight his son, and they almost succeeded. So Apsu raised the other metallic dragons from the remains of his other children, fought the Hawk, and brought dealt him a mortal blow. But then Tiamat stepped in and healed her son and used his wounds to fuel those dragons that were willing to defect, which then became the chromatic dragons, mm. all of the evil dragons. So Dahak escaped this battle between metallic and chromatic dragon, but Absu told his followers not to pursue. And then this caused a rift between himself and Tiamat, who blamed Absu for the death of their children and expelled him from their primordial realm, which is why he is known as the Exiled. When Galarian was fighting Rovagug and all the deities were fighting, Dahak actually came to his father's aid Mm. to defeat the rough beast. And Absu spoke to Dahak, who basically told him, I'm going to kill you, but this was more important. Yep. And the fight between the two has raged on evermore. 
It's said that their final battle will once again be on the material plane. And again, it's a good versus evil fight, Dahak being the deity uh, below Tiamat of all evil dragons. This demiplane that he lives in, the Immortal Ambulatory, is uh, wandering stars and islands that flows from plane to plane in the great beyond. It can embed itself in different planes, and it's usually found in heaven. He is, as a deity, positively regarded by most lawful, good, or both gods. Galarian, uh, he allies himself with Torag and Sarenrae, who he helped save while defeating Rovagug. Caden Kalyan is excited for his final fight with Dahak, who calls it a good rumble. Gorum is also excited because he thinks his followers can fight in that final war. And Iomade approached Apsu after she completed the test of the Starstone and asked him to get more involved in worldly affairs. He said he couldn't because his son is not dead. Mm. And, you know, that is his Good dad. prime directive. But he agreed to always defend Iomade. And that is why Iomade's deific servitor is Peace Through Vigilance, one of the most powerful gold dragons in Galarian. Oh, cool. Um, so he basically lent her one of his most powerful followers. Asmodeus is the only evil god that approached Apsu and offered his service for some unknown reason and price, but Apsu has refused him every time. It's rumored he offered to weaken both Apsu and Dahak, uh, or both Absu for Dahak and Dahak for Absu, making his true intent unclear. So very interesting deity. He's followed mostly by dragons because his followers are expected to participate in this war. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, things like kobolds and other creatures that, uh, especially like paladins that take an oath against dragons, will follow Absu because usually their oath is, you know, an oath against evil dragons. Sure. And so they're often allied with the uh, metallic dragons in that regard. It's interesting. He seems like such an important deity from the history, but I don't hear of him like popping up in a whole bunch of different Pathfinder stories. And there's not churches of him around. There's churches of Abadar and churches of Desna and churches of Asmodeus, but you never really hear about churches of Absu. You know, I haven't read it at all, but I'm sure he comes up a good deal in Age of Ashes. Probably because the hawk comes up a ton yeah. in that adventure, so I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure he's at least at least referenced several times. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be like a viable, you know, deity to follow in that adventure path as well. Yeah, especially probably, if you want to play like a cleric or a champion. Yeah, or something. be interesting. Be cool. But yeah, yeah. Again, like they're like the heads of this creation myth, the head of you know creating the multiverse, and. Tiamat, for obvious reasons, isn't referenced anymore, really, in Pathfinder, aside from this myth. She's not like a deity that you can normally worship because of the 5e tie, or to the D&D tie in general. So, like, Dahak is who you worship if you're an evil dragon, and Apsu is, like, almost strictly Pathfinder, so is still the go-to dragon deity. Well, lovely, man. Thanks for sharing. Tell you what. I think we got one more rain body fuel in us before we take our break and then move on to questions. Let's give it a shot. I'm going to, again, avert my gaze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you guys notice that I did change all the lights to a love theme since it's so close to Valentine's Day? I didn't notice, but I appreciate it now. <laughs> okay. 
These have all been colorless so far. Yeah, I'm kind of glad for that. I was was wondering if that would be confounding for your guesses, but... All right, this is definitely a fruitier smell than the last two. Let's give it a cheers. Oh, you're already drinking. All right, cheers. (laughs) Okay, that's sherbet. There you go. Yep. Rainbow sherbet. Yep. Hell yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you're you're really close to the orange juice but like, you're going to get sherbet. That's my least favorite. Really? Yeah. This was the one I liked the most. Smells great. I want a candle of this. (laughs) Mm. I'm a big Rainbow Sherbert fan, though. Like, it's not bad. It's just... Mm -hmm. Like, this would be very close to a four, but maybe... I don't know about a four. And then the Mm -hmm. other... The white gummy bear, for me, is like four and a half. And Mm -hmm. then the orange dream school's a five. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I think I'm giving these fives across the board. Fucking great. And, of course... Haley, of course, four was Diego and five is uh, Duke the Bad Dragon. Yeah, I wasn't using that scale. I was just using like a generic one through five. Oh, she, and I uh, didn't want to give Sherbert them all Diego. the same rating either. So you got I the, just breaking um, all the rules that you had. What are the dimensions on the Diego on the website? Well, I believe that most of those come in multiple sizes. Ah. Per the last look we had at all of these. You're, yeah, you're right. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah, there's... Let's move on. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, these are great. I love them. I can't wait to start drinking them. All right, Haley. I hear we got some questions in the chat. We do, and I didn't even have to ask the chat to give me them, which was great. Nice. Wow. I know. Well, let's get to it. What do we got? All right, so this is a partner question with Demuth and Newt. Partner question. I don't know if we allow those, but okay, we'll see. Don't worry. We've got a lot of partner stuff going on. The last job's also a partner last job. Oh, boy. Uh, Valentine's Day's coming up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I want to start with Newt's side of the question, though. So I'm going to start with Griffin. What color dragon do you think Steve would be? Hmm. And then Steve, what color dragon do you think Griffin would be? Because Demuth's question is, if you were a dragon, what color would you be? But Newt asked the opposite. Like, what do you think each other would be? Okay. Are there any limitations to that? I didn't have any on the question. So, unless they chime in right now, then there's no limits. No limits. Demuth just confirmed. No limits. Steve's a blue dragon. A blue dragon? That's a good answer. I like that. So, a blue dragon is generally... It's more of like a big picture dragon. Mm -hmm. So, they're still evil. They're they're actually the, the dragons of like the desert, believe it or not, even though they're blue. They can generally like slide through sand. They're electric dragons. Mm. And he a sneaky dragon. Well, the thing the thing about blue dragons is that they're they're somewhat ambitious and they prefer to actually interact with human society rather than like subjugate humans. Oh sure. Um, or they like subjugate humans in a different way. Like they don't use their power to do it. They kind of use their like they become like a like a very powerful merchant or like a politician or a king. Like that's what blue dragons do. And blue Mm. dragons can have kind of like machinations that are kind of above what a lot of other dragons will do. Um, So I think you're a blue dragon. Which I think makes sense because like we're, you know, 230 plus episodes deep on our main show over four years of the podcast. And you guys still don't know what my ultimate goal is. My machinations, which maybe we'll reveal one day. Who knows? I'm going to be honest. I don't know terribly many specifics about different types of dragons, but my gut instinct for Griff went and maybe I just 
don't know dragons well, and this is just where my head went. I'm going black dragon because whether or not this is actually the case, I associate them with a strength of character, which I think Griff has a lot of. They're big and intimidating, at least in my mind, which Griff is in reality. But like, also like, you know, Griff has a, a um, he's got a personality to him, and you guys all know that. Like, he like in, in a good way, like 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 a magnetic, interesting way. Like he's he's a character, and also I think their element is acid, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you have a lot of problems with acid reflux. That's true. So. That's true. I think, uh, you know, I really like Black Dragon as a response because it's, they're like the, where Green Dragon is like the, like, poison and acid dragon. Mm-hmm. But they're like, they're kind of like a lesser, they're kind of remind me of like red dragons in the way that they're like fueled by anger and like more like primal than yes. like the, the like blue dragon and black dragon and, and like some of these like, the cooler color dragons mm-hmm. are a bit more, at least, introspective, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think black dragons are a bit more, like, solo. Yes. If I remember correctly. I think there's a pairing of, like, strength and intelligence with mm-hmm. them, where they're, they're, like, not super primal. They won't necessarily act on their instincts as much as some of the other dragons, but, like, they'll be smart about things, which you are. You're quite quite smart, but, like, also strong and decisive, which I think black dragons probably are. So, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Hmm, there's four <laughs> categories of dragons. There's imperial, metallic, primal, and chromatic. Mm-hmm. Blue and black are actually both in the chromatic section. Mm-hmm. Yep. You was almost universally evil, seeking evil, yeah. to slake their endless lust for food, treasure, and bloodshed. Yeah, we know what we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure I threw that out there for you. So what do you think you are? I like the answer of blue. I think it's a cop-out to say that I would think that I'm a blue dragon, but I like blue dragons in general. Maybe I am. I, I like the I like the answer of black dragon. I think I'm a nightmare dragon, though. Mm. I don't see that one as an option. <laughs> They're in the other category. Gotcha. Mm. All right. I know we have a ton of questions to get to. Haley, let's keep going. All right. Yeah. So let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll go. We'll continue on the dragon stuff. Rez, but hugging Durin is the current name. Great uh, name. So Rez has asked, what is your favorite dragon from media, book, movie, show, etc.? Steve, if you reference bad dragon again, I will be very disappointed in you. Well, that was my answer. So go ahead, Griff. Let me think about it. Uh, sure. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah, I, I kind of got to think for a moment too here. Um, I've got a weird love-hate relationship with dragons. I think the concept of dragons is cool, but I don't see them. I. It's kind of even tough to put into words. Like when the second Hobbit movie came out and we finally saw Smaug the dragon, I'm like, okay, that's what that's I, a that's a dragon, but I'm not like, holy shit, a dragon. They're just like, they're cool. They're a staple of fantasy, but like, because they're a staple, I don't like get excited for them in a weird way. Does that make sense? I think it does. So yeah, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to hop in here only because, so I'm currently reading a book series called the Black Witch Chronicles, which mm-hmm. is a, a book series where it's in a fantasy world. There's a bunch of races. There's currently like basically a race war is like starting in the first year of the main characters, like first year of magical college, essentially. And there's like this race war starting, which is horrible and horrific. And there's like, there's dragons on both sides. But the thing is, it's like the dragons on one side are being 
broken and they're actually people like they shift into dragons so they're, they're real people and they're being broken to the point where they can't shift back into people and they're like being mentally broken well they save one of them before it's like broken and it just absolutely kicks ass again and again and does a lot of like really uh man almost like emotional like things like this dragon just shows up at the best time all the time in this book series so it's been really cool to watch because it's like it kind of goes off and does its own thing because it got rescued and it's like I'm out of here mm. and then it'll come back in to like help when things are dire which has been cool because it's like a, a, a nice like savior dragon that's a good answer I think I have mine it's not a specific dragon but in the revered 3DO game Heroes of Might and Magic 3 <laughs> here we go again uh, <laughs> you can play pretty much or you can have in your army basically any type of dragons, but they have a special variant of dragon that you can't get in any city called the fairy dragon, which is really interesting because unlike all the other dragons, which basically fly up to an enemy and then do a breath weapon on them, just like blast them with fire or acid. But, you know, they don't do like different elemental damages, just like damage in general. Um, the fairy dragon is a ranged dragon who casts random spells. So... You can target people far away and you never know what spell is going to be cast, whether that's a lightning bolt or a frost ring or a magic arrow or something. But it's always interesting and it's just a, a different play on a dragon. They look cool. They're like kind of like dragons. They're purple. They're crossed over with like butterflies. They've got butterfly wings. They're cool as hell. I love them. So I, I don't like animalistic dragons and I don't like evil dragons that much. So I'm actually going to go with Mushu. I nice. think I think of the nice. dragons in media, he has like the best personality, and I think it's fun to have like a dragon that is not powerful, like that that like you know is <laughs> is playing off like they are like they have some secret power. I like uh, that answer a lot. That's good. That's great. All right, cool. So next question is from Angel in Black. Griff, what's your favorite type of harder alcohol, such as whiskey, bourbon, mm. or something like that? Uh, yeah, so... I assume, Steve, you can also answer. I'm a bourbon <laughs> drinker, and uh, Angel in Black, I know you are primarily a Bestow Curse listener. Uh, we, we definitely talk about a lot of the stuff that we like to drink on uh, our more adult podcast, Hideous Laughter, but I've always been a bourbon guy. My favorite bourbon is Angel's Envy. I like my bourbon sweeter than kind of like, I don't like the burn particularly. And I've recently like dabbled in tequila straight. I think that's another interesting liquor that like has a flavor profile that could be sippable because usually people reserve that space for whiskey. Mm. Uh, it's usually like, like no one sips vodka unless you're a psycho. Like no one sips vodka for the complexity of flavor, I will say. Sure. So I think like rum is rum has some good like good variety of flavor. Obviously whiskey and then tequila I think has a good like variety of flavors and profiles that are sippable. Yeah. I'll jump in here too. The last couple of years I moved away a little bit from hard liquors. I don't know. I'm just not as enamored with them as I used to be. But I'm through and through a gin guy. I love gin to death. Um, I'm one of the few in the proud that'll just drink it straight. Um, I thought you were going to say Malort. 
Well, that's where I'm going. I think, I'm you, can, I think you can have that. I think you can have the same thing that I'm talking about with gin, mm-hmm. but because of the botanicals they use, yeah. there's a lot of different flavor profiles of gin. It's just not mostly flavor profiles that I like at all. <laughs> right. And, and that's kind of where I'm going with this in that gin is a, can be very specific. It can be very complex. And uh, some of the flavor profiles really throw a lot of people off. People like to mix it with things. And I do, but sometimes a good gin, you can just sip on there and just kind of enjoy it and explore those flavors in your mouth. That sounds creepy, but it's, it's fun. Again, yes, I on the other podcast, I am known to drink a regional Chicago beverage called Malort. At first, I drank it kind of ironically because I'm from Chicago and uh, it is called by many the worst liquor in the world. And it's not. Uh, I mean, I can stomach not, it. Right. And it grew on me so much that it's not ironic. I legitimately like Malort. It's weird, I know, but it's good. I like it's it. That's Chicago heritage. Yep. Bleeding in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually don't mind it either. No, I mean, yeah, like, you, you take it all the I'll, time. I'll, yeah. I'll take dingers of Malort all the time. Mm-hmm. I've got a whole thesis on Malort, but that's another uh, <laughs> That's another 90 minutes of content <laughs> for another day. What else we got, Haley? Let's keep them coming. Yeah, I was going to do like three more questions. How do you feel about that? I think so. I think that'll get us at a good ending point. All right, cool. So I'm going to pop back over to Dragons and Rez. So Rez has asked, if you made a business called Good Dragon, what would you sell? Hmm. Hmm. I was thinking about this one. I mean, if you have an answer yeah, by all means. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys think. I'll, I'll do my answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would want to have uh, some sort of little creatures that you can get like like almost like pet dragons that are going to protect your little mini hordes and I think that's adorable and super cute to have all over your house and they're like nice little good dragons that protect your hordes I think that's adorable you can put them on top of a pile of dice or something or maybe uh, have them in different locations I think it's adorable I would take a play on the word dragon and do it d-r-a-g-g-i-n Good dragon moving large bulk items across the country. We're going to be a line haul transportation company. Fucking nerd. Get out of here. I think I would try and yin and yang with. I think it's a good answer. I think it's a good answer. Yeah, it's it's one play on it. I think I'd try and yin and yang with, with bad dragons. So I would sell like personal care and hygiene stuff that's like, you know, that's got like kind of like a fantastical theme. Um, like you buy the bad dragon, you need a good way to clean that. Nah, I just want good, good boys around my house that are little dragons. Little <laughs> that dragon are on top Chia of pets. everything. Yeah, little dragon <laughs> toys. Anyways, so Newt has asked. So uh, Newt of the Hundred Tomatoes is the current name, mm-hmm. and he, he's got three questions left. I'm only gonna pick one, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna pick. I'm sorry, Newt, but I'm gonna pick the most tame one. Oh Which boy. is, <laughs> if you were an ancient dragon, what would the gods make from your corpse? What would the gods make from my gods corpse? Make from my corpse. Yeah. Hmm. Not exactly sure what that means, but um, I don't know. Blend me up in a slurry, and maybe there's some magic that was infused into my bones and my muscles and tissues and stuff that can bestow. I don't know, magical things on people. The one I'm just, turn me into a slushy. Turn you into a slushy. Yeah. Maybe you feel like health potions for the next generation. Sure. I love playing healers. A little sprinkle yeah. of, sprinkle yeah. of Steve in your potion and yeah. you get extra, extra two hit points. Nice. I think it, it would be 
use like so anybody that's seen Dragon Ball Z in the in the early episodes of Dragon Ball Z a lot of the training that they did uh, because of Master Roshi was like like the way Master Roshi trained was he wore this massive like turtle shell that was super heavy and he did all of his training while he was uh, while he was you know wearing that so then when he took it off he was like super agile mm-hmm. and so I would say like use my bones to make like you know sets of armor that are like ultra weighted to use for training so that when you like take it off and put like regular plate on you feel like you can move as well as someone in like leather armor oh that's cool i like that yeah like if you train for a week wearing the the griffin bone armor you're you know it gives you an enhancement bonus to strength or something when you take it off sweet i think we have a final question right yeah and your guys' call if we want to do one more after this, since this one's a little targeted. There's actually a couple targeted questions. So oh boy. Uh, not in a negative way, just like Angel of Black has asked, what tattoos do you guys have and what is what are your favorite ones? Well, Steve, you can't really answer that, right? So I'll, I'll be quick. I don't have any tattoos. There are a couple that I want. I keep putting it off. I've, I've been talking about tattoos and wanting to get them since I was 18. And it's just one of those things that like I never go out of my way to actually start planning it. So... I would love, I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I would love to get some Star Wars tattoos. I want to eventually get some tattoos that are like reflective of some of the characters that I've played on the different shows that we have here. I have some plans for that. I'd like to do that. I might just keep putting it off and never doing it, but I should do it. That's really it. I don't know. Let's see. You got done. Yeah, what do I have? So on my right ankle, I have uh, the interlocking ND because me and my dad went to Notre Dame, so when I got accepted, he was like, we should go get a tattoo so you don't drop out. <laughs> I, did not, I, I did not know that aspect of that we, we got it. We got it when I was 18, so right before I went to college, and he was like, if you if you drop out, you have to make it a big blue square. <laughs> um, so funny. And then I have a Game of Thrones quote on my back. I have the Whispering Tyrant on um, like kind of like halfway up and on my shoulder on my left arm and then my right arm is a demi lich at the top with glowing like lime green jewels in his eyes and like the essence flows down my arm to uh, like some carrion birds I'm like showing it to the screen like they can see <laughs> it's basically <laughs> uh, like a full sleeve almost yeah, like, yeah, you know, like, your inner arm doesn't it's, have it's much a, it's but, a full outer sleeve yeah, yeah which took like 28 hours in the chair it was a lot uh, and I did it over the course of like two weeks so I was there like eight hours then eight hours then 10 hours <laughs> so I think I mean that's my favorite in terms of like what it looks like and none of mine have like a shitload of meaning I just like to get tattoos that are cool like I got the whispering tyrant one because like I'm running carrying crown uh, and it's badass but like it's an undead guy in armor like Mm -hmm. so you know it's just it's badass either way but yeah i mean in the in the future if i get ones like like because i because i got the whispering tyrant so i might get something related to the end of curse at some point Mm -hmm. like you know these big campaigns that i'm running for a show that i'm always going to have like a historical recording of us playing i might get something like for finishing them out Mm -hmm. But yeah, Haley, you have tattoos. Do you want to talk about yours? Yeah, I have, yeah, I, have, I got some cool ones too. I have three tattoos. 
So the first tattoo I ever got is on my thigh. It is a dagger going into a stack of books, but my artist was a flake. And so nothing ever got finished with it. It is like, it looks complete, but it wasn't the complete uh, image I had in my head. And so then I did find another artist, but I have, so on the other side of my body, so on the left-hand side, I have a full upper arm tattoo of it's like mushroom patch with fairies in it and the fairies like glow so that's really fun and then on my left thigh it covers like the entirety almost of my left like outer thigh um it's kind of straight on kind of on the side and that is a kind of the same thing by the same artist on my arm it's a large skull with mushrooms around it and a glowing moon and like some wheat stalks so it's I really like it. It's, they're very big, bold colors. So I think I have photos that I've posted in the Discord in studio shots if anybody is interested. Yeah, I think I've posted at least my full outer sleeve somewhere. But I think also studio shots. Yeah, I could, I could always dig that up and throw it in again. Yeah. So that's the last questions. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. We have one more thing that we need to get to. Of course, it's the final jab. But before we do, I have a tiny bit amount of wrap up and housekeeping that I want to do. Hey, we're sticking to our promises. We're getting more guests on this goddamn show. Um, (laughs) So the next episode is one that I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, We're going to be introduced or Jesus Christ can't fucking talk after having so much caffeine. You're too energetic. You're going too fast, Uh, but you're you're also I'm outpacing myself and I'm drinking terrible, terrible bourbon seltzers, which is just messing with my mind fucking flub in this introduction for such an exciting (laughs) guest. we are going to be interviewing some folks from Pot Against the Machine. Uh, yeah. Some good friends of ours. We're f- figuring out the scheduling. We're at least going to have Jeff from the show on, seeing if we can get anybody else on there. But, you know, we've got a really tight timeline with all the stuff that we're doing over the next couple of weeks. So we're at least getting Jeff. We'll see if we get anybody else. But very, very excited for that one. We got a history with Jeff. Yes. He was at our very first HLP meetup in 2018. Yeah. Or 2019. Was it early 2019? I think it was 19. One of the oldest friends of the show. We love Jeff. But main reason why I bring this up is if you have questions or stuff that you want us to talk with them about, get those in the Zone of Truth questions channel on our Discord. And we'll make sure to ask all of the crazy stuff that you guys want to know about them and that show and all the cool stuff the that Iron they're doing. Iron God's AP. Iron God's AP. Playing 1E. Good times. I've guested on one of their shows. You guys yeah, sure yeah. have all heard it. Um, Jeff's been on something recorded with us. And, yes. uh, the Hot Brown, one of our most prolific episodes. I think most today. people listening don't know that exists and don't I think, know that I it's think on it's the Patreon on, feed. I think it's it on the Patreon feed. feed. It's just um, really, really far down. So that's the one thing that I wanted to talk about. We also will have a community night for February, but we don't have the date quite locked in yet. So just keep your ear down to the ground and we'll be posting about that soon. So that all being said, I think it's final jam time. It is. And like I said, this is a partner jam and neither are from Corey. If you found your, if you found your partner during the zone of truth, you owe us an extra $5 a month. That's Valentine's not true at all. I do want to hear not of uh, HLP connections. <laughs> Misconnections. All right. I so, saw you in the Zoda Truth chat. <laughs> all right. So Demuth has said, I don't think less bang is even possible for Steve. And Rez tagged on and said, Fair. I mean, if negative banging exists, Steve could probably achieve it. Hey, listen, this always reminds me of the biggest like 
sink the ship to kill the captain thing I've ever seen on the internet where someone was like, I get 20 times more girls than you. And, and the guy responds back, yeah, 20 times zero is still zero, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, fuck you both, and I think that's the end of this episode. <laughs> Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later, we'll you see the rest of you in, uh, Yeah, we're going to the uh, after party. I'm yeah, so after hyped party in uh, Drunken Discord, really. End the episode. <laughs>